right, welcome to Birdland Tonight, another afternoon edition. Eventually, this will become a nighttime <laughs> show. Uh, make sure you're checking out birdlandtonight.com and following Birdland Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and subscribing to the Birdland Tonight podcast as well. And then this is your time to go click, share, retweet, whatever, to let other people know about the show, uh, which is quickly becoming a lot of fun to do. I mean, we're only three games in, and I enjoy this every time. So joining me today is Andrew from Utah Street Report. Hey, Josh. And uh, Jesse from the Warehouse Podcast. How's it going? Um, we've been pretty lucky. We get to talk about a sweep. I no mean, kidding. when all the preseason conversations we had setting up for Birdland tonight, we all said, let's get prepared to talk about a lot of ugly games and a lot of losing. And the Orioles are, letting, are being pretty special and letting us have some fun in this game. Um, let's stick. We definitely should talk about overall weekend and what that means. But let's first, let's talk about this week, the, today, this game. And let's talk about, let's start with pitching because Bruce Zimmerman made his debut, second start, uh, second time facing the Red Sox. He had some good luck last year facing the Red Sox out of the pen. But six innings, four hits, three runs. Uh, Andrew, what was your takeaway from Bruce today? I mean, I thought I thought Zimmerman settled in really nicely in this game. I mean, he started out uh, with with two, one, two, three innings to start the game. Ran into a little bit of trouble there in the third inning, but you know, coming off the long layoff after the offense was on the field for so long, you can kind of uh, <clears throat> you can kind of understand that. Um, but he, you know, he was really good. He four hits, a walk, five strikeouts, ends up giving up three runs across six innings, which for for Zimmerman, I think is all you can expect and and get picks up his first major league win in the process. So I thought it was a really good outing from him and uh, you know, really just a formidable starting performance and kind of capped the other two that 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 led him for, throughout the weekend. Yeah, and even those three runs, I don't know uh, if you throw those pitches in a close game. Jesse, what about you with Bruce in this? Clearly, I mean, him even getting through six innings probably wasn't on most people's radar for today. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the thing that is really worth highlighting in his outing uh, was just the pitch efficiency. After four innings, he'd only thrown 40 pitches. And um, that's exactly uh, what he needs to do. Um, he, he definitely could have gone back out there for the seventh. Uh, you know, that would not have been a problem at all. Um, he had thrown uh, 71 pitches, I think, when he came out. And they were a breeze of 71 pitches, in large part because of the run support. Um, but he definitely could have came out. I was a little upset at the time that he did come out. Uh, but I think in hindsight, based on... Uh, how Hyde set the bullpen the rest of the game, I think it actually makes sense uh, now that I see it. But, um, yeah, he was impressive. I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether his stuff, uh, you know, how consistent he can be um, at the major league level um, because he's, he really relies on his location uh, and his command um, and the movement that he has on his pitches um, because he doesn't throw very hard, so. Yeah, I was surprised. There were a lot of people on Twitter in that six inning saying, oh, the wheels are coming off the cart for Zimmerman. He's done. And I'm like, I'm looking at my stats and I'm like, I only have four hits marked down. Like, yeah, there's no wheels coming off the cart. 
he's got plenty of room for the wheels to come off the cart, but four hits uh, and what, giving up three runs over six innings, there's no, nothing got out of hand. And, 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 and the other thing about that. Sorry, go ahead, Jesse. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. No, I was similar, just going to say the other thing about that. The other thing about that was that um, he was, he, he had just gotten through the heart of the order. Um, so in the sixth inning, he got through Martinez, Bogarts, Gonzalez, and he was past all of that. So he definitely could have came back out for run for Renfro and Vasquez and faced the bottom of the order. So um, yeah, I mean, Obviously, you're going to run into some trouble when you see Martinez and you see Bogarts. Um, yeah. And, and, and similar to Jesse's point with the pitch efficiency, you know, the four hits are one thing. He also only allowed one walk. I mean, and that's part of the reason he was able to be so efficient with his pitches, um, because the one walk is the key thing. And we saw that, too, out of both John Means and Matt Harvey early in the season. If Orioles starting pitchers can go out there and only allow one walk in five or six innings of starting starting pitching they're going to be really successful. I mean, I don't know how long that can last, but we saw it through this, through this first series of, of the season. Um, and that is how you become an efficient starting pitchers. You don't give up free passes. Uh, you throw strikes and you let, you let your, your defense do the work behind you. And obviously we saw some defense uh, out of the Orioles throughout this, throughout this series. And today it was a lot of soft contact. You know, he did give up the one long home run um, to JD Martinez, but you know, JD Martinez is a professional baseball player. He's a, he's a really good hitter. So you're going to, that's going to happen here and there. Um, and, but if you can get away with, you know, three runs across six innings and only giving up that one walk and being so efficient with those pitches, that's how you turn in a, a, a really good performance. Yeah. And, and behind him, uh, the guys continued that Cole Salser came in to handle the seventh and the eighth. He gave up one hit and he got three strikeouts. Jesse, how impressive was Salser, a guy that you're not really expecting three strikeouts over two innings right yeah no I mean he definitely pitched well um you know he pounded the strike zone for the most part so um yeah I mean he looked good um there's some question uh whether he'll be here uh I feel like tomorrow uh with Armstrong coming back um and I I, I was wondering if uh my uh co-host was suggesting that with Armstrong coming back, uh, that Solcer might be the one that gets uh, that gets sent down. But um, as far as today, no, he was he was uh, very effective, and uh, the fact that he pitched two solid innings um, and can you know give the Orioles some length sometimes um, that can definitely be uh, useful moving forward. Yeah, and how you fit uh, Sharon Armstrong into this into this bullpen is a big question mark right now because no one has not done their job. Everyone has overperformed. So it's hard to take anyone off when they're doing so well. Um, Andrew, after Cole tonight, we got to see Tyler Wells come in and make his debut in the perfect situation for a Rule 5 guy with a huge Absolutely. lead and nothing to worry about. And he did pretty well. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it leaves it, – it's interesting. I was – trying to take some notes during the game and realize, wait a second, who has not pitched throughout this weekend? And, and by the time before Wells came in onto the mound, I had four names and it's, it's Wade LeBlanc, it's Paul Fry, it was Wells. And it was the other rule five guy, Max Groller. So <laughs> Wells makes his debut. You're down to three guys now. And you're right. Talking about that bullpen uh, and how it's going to shuffle here going into to New York. It will be interesting to see because you, you come out of this weekend 
fairly unscathed. I mean, they did use Cesar Valdez two games in a row, but you'd think having him off today, he's well rested. Um, this bullpen is, you know, performed fairly well over the weekend and obviously helped them with three wins. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that that whole thing shuffles. And obviously with Wells and Scroller, those guys aren't even options to, to send down because they're both rule five picks. So um, we'll have to see how the how the shuffle plays itself out. Yeah, I mean, this bullpen gave up no runs this weekend. Uh, actually, did they on the first? No, it was a shutout the first game. Yep. So no, no runs. Um, that makes it really hard to fit in Sean Charm, Armstrong, no matter what the numbers say, because you're right. With Paul Fry, Scroller, and LeBlanc as the only guys, those guys aren't being sent down just because they didn't pitch. So it'll be interesting. The other uh, roster concern that we have to worry about now is Austin Hayes who's, uh, I guess, pulled a hamstring on that weird run in play yeah. uh, with, the, with the trapped ball and kind of pulled himself out of the game. How concerned should we be about that, Andrew? Well, it certainly is a concern when you talk about uh, Hayes and his, his injury history. Um, we, we don't really know exactly the severity of it. I'm, I'm reading some quotes here from, from Brandon Hyde after the game saying that uh, you know, Hayes is going to come in tomorrow. They'll see how it is. They're kind of playing it close to the vest right now. Um, not on the severity of things. Uh, we do know that Ryan McKenna is on the taxi squad, so he's available to make a roster swap if available. And, um, all signs kind of point to that being the roster move to make if they need to make one and, and place Austin Hayes on the injured list. But, um, we'll just have to see, maybe he just didn't feel quite right. Maybe it's not a, not a straight hamstring pull or anything. We we'll have to find out in the, in the next 24 hours or so, um, what his health status is going forward. Right. Right. Yeah. My hope is he realized this game's a blowout. Let me just go rest it and let, uh, let Vlaka get some playing time. Yeah. Um, all right, but let's talk about the, uh, the star of the game today, Cedric Mullins. Five hits plus a walk. A perfect uh, plate appearance today. Six times at the plate, got on base each time. Um, Cedric Mullins, I thought his career was done maybe two <laughs> years ago. Jesse, what does this say about Cedric Mullins? Um, well, I think uh, his early performance uh, definitely shows that I think he has the leadoff spot locked down, I would say at least for the month. Um with Hayes struggling um, and with, uh, you know, his recent injury, I think that uh, it reaffirms Mullins' grip on the leadoff uh, role. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he was absolutely fantastic. He saw a ton of pitches at the plate, you know, uh, went deep in the count uh, just about every at-bat, um, which was really, really impressive and is exactly what you want uh, from your leadoff hitter. Um yeah, and I mean, yeah, it was marvelous to watch. Three doubles, uh, yeah, three doubles and two singles. I mean, it was great. All right, and Andrew, it wasn't just Cedric Mullins today. I mean, when looking at your first place Orioles, every guy that got to the plate got a hit at some point today. Yeah, and by the way, I think for the time being, every time we do reference this baseball team, we do have to just call them the first place Orioles because – who knows how long we're going to get to say that well, for, throughout the rest well, of the you year. Well, you know, I was, I was looking, and, you know, Fangraphs made the whole stink about making us 0.0 <laughs> chance of, uh, of making the playoffs. We have now risen. It yes. is now 0 0.1. And what, and, a day, was, and what a day for that, too. And that was as of yesterday. <laughs> so I'm sure that got some excitement going in the locker room. Um, 
thing, a little major league type thing is they're taking the numbers off fan graphs and keep adding on. But it's, it's exciting, and this team's hitting the ball. They are. and But not only are they hitting the ball, they're, they're getting on base even. I mean, I, I wrote down the, the fact that this – you know, you look at some of the numbers, the underlying numbers from just this game, 15 strikeouts across – across the nine innings. That's not great, but you also throw in eight walks in there. I mean, this team walked eight times and had 17 hits. That is a lot of base runners in a single game, 25 of them. And of course you only come away with, a. I say you only come away with 11 runs. It means you're leaving 14 guys on base, which is, you know, think of what it could be and how you come up with a, a couple of more clutch hits, but it's really not much. You can't really ask for much more than, than what this team did offensively in this game. Anthony Santander, three hits. Even Ryan Mountcastle, a guy who struck out three times in this game, he also walked twice. So you're getting the good with the bad, um, you know, even in this day and age with with everything being three true outcomes. We still haven't seen this team even hit a home run through these first three games, but they're still able to produce these numbers. So imagine when the, you know, some of the power bats start coming through um, what this offense could be. And obviously, you know, we're we're getting we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves talking about these just these three games. It's such a small sample size. But we did come into the season expecting this to be a lineup that can produce and can do things offensively. So to know that that is not a fluke all of, all of a sudden, all, even just through the first three games, it's a nice feeling. It's nice to look down at a box score and see, you know, you see a lot of K's in that box score, but you also see a lot of doubles, a lot of singles and a lot of guys coming around to score. And when you can yeah. you can touch home 11 times in a game, that's. That's super important. Well, and, and when you look at who touched home, everyone touched home except for Hayes. But yeah, Pat and he did, went out early. Pat did when he left. Pat took mm-hmm. a spot and, and then uh, Cisco. So, every again, a game, a team game. Defensively, everyone was participating. Great pitch in. So, uh, all good there at the, at, for here. Um, now, you're saying that Galvez, I guess I'm wrong because Galvez did not get a hit, but he, what did he, he got two walks. Okay. Correct. Yeah. He walked, walked twice, yeah. struck out once, had a, had a, a, a trio of four three. So that's the other thing too, is if you're turning the lineup over, you know, these guys are going to get a plenty of, plenty of chances. And that's, that's all you can ask for. And that's, I mean, this team batted around in the third inning. So, I mean, that's, that's what you want to see. You want to see that kind of, it's especially when you've got a guy like Richards on the mound who simply didn't have any control. They, the, the Orioles were not going up early in that game against Garrett Richards and swinging at anything. They were letting, letting the pitches come to them. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of that p- plate discipline. They were really showing themselves to be able to draw some walks early in that game and put the pressure on. Yeah. And this uh, 6.92 batting average from Mullins now has him tied for the most hits in Major League Baseball. So enjoy all this. Enjoy the Orioles' offensive stats being high now while you can. The, the one thing I would just add about, um, yes, we did have a lot of strikeouts. Uh, it is important to note uh, that, you know, when we come up to the bat as many times as we did in this game, you're going to strike out some of those at-bats. So, and the other thing about it is we had 15, strike, 15 strikeouts. Um, but Cisco had four of them. Mel Castle right. and Ruiz each had three of them. So they were kind of bunched together. And it's not like the entire lineup was really striking out routinely. It was just three guys who made up the bulk of the strikeouts. Yeah, and I've noticed all weekend, I've, I've noticed that the Orioles are going deep in the counts. They're fighting pitches off. Yeah. And they're causing pitchers to throw a whole lot more pitches than they'd like to. Which is, a, which is definitely an improvement at the plate. Uh, Jim Palmer today, you, when, you watch, when you watch the game with Jim Palmer, there's always, it seems like every game he picks something that it's going to be his focus for the game. 
and he'll bring it up all the time. And today his focus was about beating the shift and saying that the Orioles were taking balls that were pitched outside and hitting them to the opposite side. Uh, I don't know if Jim Palmer's just making something up on the spot because I haven't done the research, but have you guys noticed anything to this? Is this something? Because it seems like something that would make sense for a rebuilding team, for a young team, to try to get back to some basics like that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's too early to identify any sort of pattern like that. Um, I mean, I, I do know that Santander uh, in the first inning, um, that was noticeable when he got the uh, RBI hit. Um, and he definitely beat the shift, and it was a pretty weak ground ball. Um, so, I mean, the one thing I will say is we do have guys on the team, uh, Mullins in particular, that is spraying the ball around. Um, obviously, they're not putting a shift on Cedric Mullins, but um, we do have, you know, a few of these guys that can um, hit to the opposite field, and that's encouraging. Well, there, there's no question about it. And, and you know, you mentioned the Santander at-bat in the first. I, I even point to the Mountcastle at this hit, Mountcastle's second at-bat in the third inning where he came up and, and poked a ball into right field that was outside. He really mentioned it on that one, too. That one drove in a run. Um, th- you are seeing those kinds of things. And, again, Jesse makes a good point. We're talking about three games here, small sample size alert, all the caveats involved. But it is nice to see deep counts and – you know, approaches that are not just swinging for the fence. Um, you know, strikeouts are going to come, walks are going to come with those deep counts and, the, and that approach as well. Um, and eventually the the power, the home runs will come um, because you're going to be getting better pitches when you are having a better approach overall at the plate. So it is something to look out for. And I don't know if if it's something that the Orioles internally are emphasizing in terms of their their approach at the plate. But the other the other cool thing about what this lineup is able to do and it, it goes back to that man at the top, Cedric Mullins, is he can set the table. And the, it's been a while since the Orioles have had a player like Cedric Mullins who can set the table in, the, in a similar way, probably since the days of Brian Roberts, really, where you've got a guy who, um, you know, his approach is always to just put the ball in play and make something happen with his speed. Uh, he could lay down a bunt when necessary for a hit. Um, he can do a lot of different things at the top of that order and set the table. And when you've got him getting on six times a game, Obviously, that's not going to happen every game, but we've got him getting on multiple times a game for guys like Mancini, Santander, Mountcastle behind him. That's going to produce runs no, no matter what you do. That's why this lineup is so um, dynamic in, in many ways. And, you know, like I said, the caveats are all there. This is a, a small sample size, but we came into this season thinking this lineup could be pretty good, um, you know, maybe even above average in the league. And so far, they're, they're showing it. Yeah, no, the, no the one thing, the one other thing, um, you know, uh, to go along with the small sample size, um, it, it is worth noting that the Red Sox pitching was absolutely horrendous today. Yeah. Um, it started off bad with Garrett Richards, and then it got worse when Josh Taylor came into the game. And uh, Whitlock was really the only guy for the Red Sox that really kind of stabilized them. Um, so, yeah, just to go along with the small sample size, we do need to account for the, the horrendous pitching Boston showed today. Yeah, of course. Um, and you're right. It always helps when you get a guy on base like Cedric Mullins. That's going to help anything. But I like to think that all spring, Chris Davis was down in Sarasota yelling at everyone that the shift destroyed his career so they would find ways to avoid it for the young guys. 
as a, a, a fear tactic. Um, I, you know what else I really enjoyed about today's game? The Boston fans were quiet. <laughs> they Except were. for when they were booing, they were quiet. And after That's two very games sarcastic annoying, cheers. Right. Two games of an annoying guy, and now a nice, quiet Sunday. It was a great Easter. Well, when the Orioles throw, uh, what was it, 12 batters up in that third inning, um, you, you, there's, there's not much for them to cheer about. Uh, they, were, they were awfully quiet. No, that third inning is one where you couldn't tell now, but it's one of those games where if it was a normal game, you would see the fans start to empty out. Because it was ugly. It was yeah. ugly. I mean, yeah. Um, I, we didn't, haven't talked about some other things that were going on that we haven't talked about in these first couple of days. Is one, there's a new baseball. And yeah. I thought it, found it really strange that uh, they did not use this baseball in, in spring training. Did you hear that stat, that the new softer baseball that's supposed to be like shortened home runs by five feet or something, pitchers weren't even using them until opening day. I don't understand that, but I, I don't know if that's a good thing for the Orioles or if it just doesn't really have that much effect. I, I heard a conversation on the broadcast the other day, and Palmer was saying how in spring training they use the remaining baseballs from the previous season. Um, so I, I heard them talking about that. Um, I mean, I have no idea how it's going to influence the Orioles. Um, maybe it'll help the pitching staff out. Um, but there's been speculation for a long time that something has been up with the baseballs in the previous years that has led to uh, a giant increase in home runs. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm unsure whether it was the baseball that was deadened or, or whether it was the camera angles that we got out of Fenway Park this weekend that were, that were confusing me because it looked like every ball that was going over the green monster was either hitting midway up, of, up it or, or being caught on the warning track. So right. um, it, I'm sure over the long course of the season, we will see an impact from, from a deadened baseball somewhat. But um, you know, early, in, early going, I, I wouldn't worry too much about – I mean, we only saw one home run in this series from either team. Um, which was, you know, and, and that was a bomb today by J.D. Martinez. Um, but I'm, I'm sure the, the home runs will will be on their way, um, especially as the weather warms up. You, you got to consider that the, the cold weather up there in Boston this weekend had something to do with it as well. Of course. I, and then, you know what? I have a feeling that they are going to show up this week as we head to New York for three games. So that would um, that would be a good guess. Yeah. So they travel to New York, I guess, tonight. Tomorrow they take on the Yankees at 6.35 game, and it's George Lopez versus Jordan Montgomery. Yep. Um, Yankees are fair and – what do they have, two wins? Uh, one and two. They lost one two out two. of three to the, to the Blue Jays this weekend. All right. So they're struggling. They, I'm sure, wrote the Orioles down as a team that they're just going to sweep nonstop, but I think the Red Sox expected to do better against the Orioles too. Um, what are you guys looking for now that we have to face the Yankees who, according to fan graphs, they'd are already made it to the playoffs. <laughs> uh, I mean, what I would say is, uh, Montgomery is going to be tough, uh, at least historically. I mean, it, it's going to be his first start. So, you know, he might be rusty or, uh, he might be off. Um, we'll see, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, we're playing the Yankees. And we're having the back end of our rotation start us off in New York. So it'll be interesting to see if we can continue uh, the good pitching uh, with Lopez and with Kramer coming up. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just interested to see Lopez and Kramer um, and how kind of this rotation is going to shape itself as a whole and whether or not those guys are going to be in this thing for the long haul or if we're going to eventually see someone like Wade LeBlanc end up taking a starting role from one of those guys. Um, we obviously saw really, really quality starting pitching this weekend from the Orioles in, in Boston. So um, interested to see if the other two guys that have yet to pitch in this rotation – can kind of hold up there into the bargain and keep this thing going. Um, and then, you know, on the offensive side of things, I think the Austin Hayes thing is obviously something to look for because, you know, if there was one position that the Orioles were kind of coming into the season with a strength, it's probably their outfield. They probably had, you know, four, maybe five guys on any given day. You could throw in the outfield and feel okay about it in the lineup. If they are down Austin Hayes for a little while, who steps up, who, who fills that role? Is it Pat Faleka? Um, is it Ryan McKenna? Is he going to, is he going to be the one to, to be called up? Could it be someone else? Um, I think that's certainly something to look for because this offensive, you know, this lineup from an offensive standpoint is rolling, obviously, uh, scoring 11 runs on the day and, and 18 across the three games in the weekend. So you'd like to hopefully keep that going in a small ballpark like New York, um, against what, what will be some pretty tough pitching. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's possible. I was well, just going to say, I think it's possible. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think it's possible that uh, Mount Castle moves to the outfield um, from the DH role, uh, moves into left and uh, takes over for Hayes for a while. The other possibility, of course, is they could put Mancini out there and Mount Castle at first, but I hope they don't do that. So uh, they do have options, which is a good thing. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how they use the rest of the bench because they haven't. He hasn't given these guys any time off yet. Yeah, it's been the same. The lineup changed slightly today as Hayes moved back further in the lineup, and then Cisco came in instead of Severino. But besides that, they've been using the same lineup for three games. So I am. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they do that in trying well, to... Well, and, and not to mention, Josh, they only ha- came in with a three-man bench. So if, right. if Hayes is going to be out for a little while, um, even if it's only three or four days, they may decide they need to make a move in order to to free up some some space on that bench um, in order to get it, get somebody else. Well, and that's where I'm not up to date on the COVID rules uh, with that travel and with the travel squad. It, yeah. It, like, can they bring McKenna up for one or two games? And they can active and not – I don't know how it goes. I don't believe they can. I think you'd have to make a, uh, an, uh, an injury list move there in order to, to, to free up the, the, the spot on the 26-man roster. So but, it, it, it's all treated like that, that the same if it's an injury. Right, but then what would be the point of, a travel, of, the, of the squad travel squad? That's, that's for, for – Just to keep them in your bubble? Yeah, to keep them in your bubble for, 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 a, for a COVID thing. Okay, which it's right. not really working out for, for other teams like the Washington nationals right now They're they haven't played a game yet. So no, we'll, I, we'll see how all this stuff works out. No, let's just focus on the fact that the, everything's working out for the Orioles. Yeah. Three, three and zero to start the year. All right. That one pays for 162 wins. So uh, any more takeaways before we uh, head out? Uh, right. I mean, I guess the, I was just going to say the one thing, uh, yeah, the one thing that, um, I, yeah, I mean, the lineup, obviously, as we kind of talked about, did great. Um, the thing I will say, this is a, a small thing, um, but uh, Franco coming up to bat uh, his first two plate appearances and swinging on 3-0, um, especially, you know, when he hits the double, uh, 
I give them a pass and totally cool with me. You're going to hit a, you're going to make hard contact. Go ahead and swing three Oh, uh, the second time he did it, he did end up walking. Um, but it was, it was a little annoying to me just because, um, you had the feeling that if Franco walked, that Richards would have been out of the game and that would have been it for him. And the fact that he had swung three Oh was, um, somewhat annoying, um, but then he did walk and Richards came out after that. So um, that was the the one thing I thought I'd point out, which it was a little mystifying to me. Why, especially on the second time he was swinging 3-0. Oh, I disagree with you. I like the swinging on 3-0 because 3-0, you know, that guy has to throw a strike. So he's going to his fastball because he knows he can get that over the plate. He's not trying to trick you at a 3-0 pitch. So I like the aggressiveness. But I, but I can understand you just trying to get the walk, and especially in a game like this. Yeah, I mean, and the, the other thing about it uh, was it wasn't a good pitch to swing at. So that was the other – I, I should have mentioned that at the beginning, but it, it was a bad pitch to swing at. So. Right, right. Yeah. All, right well, all right, well, tomorrow, like we said, we're he- Orioles are heading to New York. Birdland tonight will be back after the game. We've got Cody from the I Like the Duck podcast and Bob from On the Verge. Uh, hosting tomorrow night, so make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're sharing Birdland tonight and Birdland Sports everywhere, so that people know this is the uh, post game show that they should be watching. Andrew, Utah Street Report. Anything to plug this week? Not this week, but uh, I'll tell you what. If if we keep seeing what we're seeing out of the Orioles, I'm going to have to uh, get behind the keyboard again uh, because uh, you know I have no notes really. I mean, this is a, this was a fun weekend to watch, a fun opening weekend to watch baseball, um, and I enjoyed it and. Hope that much of the same can continue into into New York and then back into Baltimore. All right. And Jesse, what's going on with the Warehouse Podcast this week? Uh, we should be releasing – we should be recording on Tuesday and releasing the episode sometime Wednesday most likely. So um, we are doing it weekly. So, um, you know, now that the season's come around, we're excited for it. All right. Check that out as well. And Section 336 is uh, recording Monday like normal, Monday nights. So make sure you're back here tomorrow to check out Birdland Tonight. Go to all those uh, Birdland sports on all your social media and birdlandtonight.com to check everything out. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Go Birds. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.